Uh, if you're brand new to church and not normally would come somewhere like this or, or new to the, the scriptures, the Bible, uh, my hope is you'll come to understand there is a God who is living and active and wants to be at work in your life. You know, through this series, we've been looking at this idea of living by love. Jesus said that this is it. This is what true north in life is. Life is full of complexity and difficulty and adversity and, and challenges or difficult ideas sometimes to navigate. But Jesus said you could navigate all of life by these two points. That life is about loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength and loving others as yourself. And there is no uh, path so uncharted that understanding those two things will not help you navigate it. And so we've been looking at this reality, though, for us to understand what it is to love God, we have to first understand God's love for us because love, as we saw, comes from God. He's the source of love. So to understand love, we want to look not to the world around us to tell us what love is and, and not to our own ideas, but actually say, how do we understand God's love towards us? And, and here's the thing that we've come to understand is God's love towards us. It is a uh, well, let's see. Maybe we'll give out some prizes here. I have some prizes, and if we can get them all, then you might get the prize. I have no prizes. Okay, that's a lie. No, no matter where you are right now, there's no prizes. But does anybody remember the first thing we learned about what God's love is like? Let me hear it. Up in Mary, we'll shout it out. I heard you. Rugged commitment. Rugged commitment. <laughs> all the way. It's amazing. Could hear him. I think it was somebody online, actually. But God's love towards us is a rugged commitment. He never gives up on us. Not only is God's love towards us a rugged commitment, it is also, let's hear another one. It is also a, it's warm affection. That's right, I heard you again. I love it. One person at home is like shouting them all out. It's awesome. God doesn't just stay committed to us and it's kind of a tough thing for him. He, he's warm and affectionate towards us. And then we also learned that not only is God ruggedly committed and warmly affectionate towards us, he is also two things. He is with us and for us. We're getting there. We're getting there. God is committed to us. He is affectionate towards us. He is with us. He is for us. And today we're going to learn about the fifth aspect of his love. And it's one that I, I believe sometimes we are most prone to, I will almost say, avoiding. Uh, almost sometimes we can miss it. We don't intend to avoid it, but sometimes we do. But before we get into what that aspect is, I want to talk to you. Here's something we're going to talk and think a little bit about today. We're going to think about your personal brand. Okay. Who's got a personal brand in here? Raise your hand if you're into kind of personal branding. All right, everybody's like, no. I don't know, Mary, we got any personal. Now, here's the thing. Some of you are like, Dean, Dean, I'm not into that personal branding stuff. That's for the social media people. That's for people who use Instachat and Facegram and all that stuff. And that's not me. That's not me. Okay, that's fine. No worries. You may not be into all that. All that. That's fine. I'm, I'm not really so much myself. Uh, but you have a personal brand. We're also going to think today about our brand as a church. We're going to think about our brand. Now, some of you are like, okay, yeah, sure, we got a, a brand, maybe it's church. I've seen the, you know, the blue, the blue arrow, I've seen that, and, and the logo, sure, that's, no, 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 that's, that's a logo. We're going to talk about our brand. Do you know what a brand is? Here's what a brand is. I love what Jeff Bezos, founder of Amazon and, uh, and sometimes appears to be like a villain in a James Bond movie, but this guy, Jeff Bezos, uh, he's founder of Amazon, one of the richest people in the world. He says, here's what a brand is. He says, your brand is what people say about you. When you're not in the room, oh, let that sink in. Let that sink in. Your brand is what people say about you when you are not in the room. Now, the reason I say we've all got one is because this is the reality. All of us live our life in such a way that 
people grow to have a certain set of experiences that they associate with us. And our brand is what people say about us when we are not in the room. Now, I want to ask yourself a confronting question. Ask yourself, what do people say about you when you're not in the room? Ask an even better question. What would you love for people to say about you when you're not in the room? When people think of our church and, and we're not in the room or they don't know they're here, it, you know, what would we hope they might say about who we are? You see, here's the thing. When it comes to a brand, it just means this is what you're kind of known for and known by. And Jesus is really clear that what he wants his followers to be known for and known by is love. John 13, 35, Jesus says, by this, all people will know you are my disciples if you, what? Love one another. This is how, Jesus like, here's how I want people to go. I know that person's a follower of Jesus because I can see how they love. That's how I know those are followers of Jesus. I see how they love one another. That's meant to be the brand. That's meant to be what we're known by. It's meant to be what people say when we're not in the room. Now, the challenge is uh, people like me come along and stuff the whole thing up. Because despite what I know you assume and think, I'm not perfect. I know. A lot of you assumed I was. Uh, most of your experience to this point. Uh, Mom, I know as far as you can tell, I'm perfect. But none of us are perfect. Okay, so we, but I, I want to I start by saying we're supposed to be known by love. We have a great challenge because we know that all of us will fall short. And so how do we become a people who are known increasingly by love? Because you know what? I'm not perfect. And I'm not who I should be. But I love the old saying, but by God's grace, I'm not who I used to be either. And so what we're going to talk about today is the fact that love, not only is God committed to us, not only is he affectionate towards us, not only is he with us and for us, he is a part of wanting to transform us. This is the last aspect we're going to understand about love. God's love is a transforming love. Let me hear you say transforming wherever you are. Transforming. God's love is a transforming love. That means God's love will have an effect in your life whereby you go from being a person here to becoming increasingly the person he dreams you to be. And the person God dreams you to be and me to be is a person who is increasingly known by love. And to look at this today, what we're going to try to understand is, is how that process of transformation works. And to do that, we're going to look at someone who experienced a radical transformation. Someone who was with Jesus and his experience of Jesus' love was a radical transformation in his life. We're going to look at the, the person who we started with his letters back in the first week of this series, First John, because he's the disciple who's just kind of known as the love guy. He's the guy who is always associated. In fact, in his uh, writings, it's John. John is the one who, in his own gospel, he doesn't even use his own name. He just calls himself the disciple Jesus loved. In his letters, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, there are these three short letters in the New Testament. Less than 2% of the entire New Testament. And in his three short letters, he uses the word, 20% of the whole usages of the word love in the New Testament are in his tiny little letters. He's the love guy. His brand was love, you know. He had like, he had stationaries just call me the love guy, you know, that was him. 
You know, he, he, the thing was, he just, it oozed out of him. And when people think of John, they always think of him as like the, the disciple of love. How many people can know who Peter is, the disciple Peter? Familiar scriptures, you know Peter. We all have certain perceptions of Peter, and we think of him like the, the wild card guy who's always like putting his foot in it and gets it right, gets it wrong, all those things. Sometimes what, the thing that we think about John, we're like, John, he's the love guy. But we forget that wasn't always the case. And so if we look at his life, here's what I hope for you and I hope for me, I hope for everybody watching. We might get an insight into how God wants to transform us, what that process looks like. Because check it out. Here was John's first kind of nickname, his first kind of brand. Do you know when Jesus first uh, calls John to be one of his 12 disciples? And we get a little list in Mark chapter 3, and he's saying, you know, here's the disciples. Jesus called them all. And it says, and he called James and John, and he gave them the nickname, the sons of, uh, I'm going to say the English version, sons of thunder. So he says, James and John, his brother, he gave them. Jesus says, James and John. You guys are like two sons of thunder. Now, I just want you to pause for a second and try to imagine. We don't get tons of detail on John's life. About, but just try to imagine the personality type that someone's like, you know, I'm going to call you. I'm going to call you a son of thunder, you know. Imagine you have like, you know, maybe you're, you're, you're a teacher and you got lots of kids in your class and you give them all nicknames. Try to imagine the kid that you call the son of thunder. <laughs> you know, you don't get the... You don't get the, the idea about John that he was kind of just, oh, he's just sort of like this chilled, loving guy, super relaxed. You know, Jesus isn't giving him a, der a derogatory name. It's just he obviously had one of those personalities. In fact, we, only, we get a few glances into John's life as a follower of Jesus, as one of his disciples. We get to see a few scenes, a few, a few windows. We just get glimpses, like all the disciples. But there are enough glimpses to just start to paint a little bit of a picture. You know, one of the uh, great stories of, of John comes in this, uh, in this one particular moment where um, Jesus, uh, you know, they, John's been following for a while. And James and John, so imagine, you got, you got a crew of 12 disciples. You're all doing life together, traveling together, hanging out together. You're all with Jesus. You're, you're getting to understand, like, yeah, this Jesus, he is, you know, you're starting to start to understand just how great he is. And James and John were told at one point, go to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, um, we can see you, you king, going to have a kingdom. How about could me and my brother James sit at your right and your left in your kingdom? They're like, and that, what that meant was saying, could we be number one and number two? Could we just be like the top dogs? Now imagine this. You've been rolling with like all 12. What is the personality type who's like, you know what? I've been thinking. I just think me and you should be most important. <laughs> like, I'm just saying. It's not that I think these other guys don't have, but I'm just saying, if there was two guys here who should probably be, like, right and left, first and second, I just think it should be us, you know? And they're just like, yeah, no, I reckon so. No, let's ask him. Let's go. For like, just imagine this. This is John. And now he goes, they actually go, and, you know, one account says their mom's even involved in this. And, and, and they go to Jesus, just like, this is a great idea. And Jesus is like, what? Do you, you even know what you're asking? And he starts to take them on a bit of a journey. But what's hilarious is then the other, the rest of the guys, the other ten all find out about it. And we're told they're, like, totally ticked off about this. Are you kidding me? James, John, who do you guys think you are? And so they get all angry. And Jesus has to come to all of them and go, guys, guys. You're missing it. 
This is when he gives his famous teaching. He says, look, whoever wants to be the greatest needs to be the servant of all. He goes, James, John, the rest of you guys, everybody fighting about it, you got it backwards. You're so focused on being great, you're missing what it's all about. This is one glance into John's life. There's another one where Jesus sends out all his disciples, and he tells them to go out, and they're going to basically go out and do ministry. They're going to cast out demons. They're going to do all these great things. And John goes out, and they all go out. And John, while he's out there, he sees someone else. He's like, okay, we've been sent out. But he sees someone else who's casting out demons, we're told in this story. And so he comes back to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, somebody else was doing it. And I told him to stop. Imagine that. <laughs> and Jesus is like, let's go. Let's set people free. Let's set the captives free. John goes out, sees Adam, and is like, no, 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 no. Not you. No. No, that's for me. I'm the one. We're the ones. We're doing And he goes back and tells Jesus this is what he did. Like looking for the gold star on it. <laughs> and Jesus is like, John, anyone who's not against us is for us. And, G and, and he enlarges John's vision. John had a narrow vision of, of how, how this whole thing was going to work. And then, and this is the episode we're going to really look at because it gives us the clue. How does this guy, this thun, the son of thunder, the guy who clearly is like, you know, just got this unique personality, angry at other disciples, just like, oh, oh, how does he become, we get told this other beautiful little inside of his life. And I just love this particular story. It's in Luke chapter 9, picks it up for us. And it says there, it says, as the time approached for Jesus to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. We're coming close to that point where Jesus knows uh, where he's going. And it says, Jesus sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. Pause. Now, if you're new to the scriptures, what you may not realize is there was this extraordinary animosity dating back centuries of racial tension between the Jewish people and the Samaritan people. And it was such, uh, such a tense, there was so much inherited kind of prejudice and, and just animosity between these two groups because they saw each other as, you know, less than, less than kind of full participants and who God was and all those things. There, so there's so much animosity between these groups. They usually didn't, they tried not to even cross with each other. But Jesus, we see, always has this way of breaking that boundary and trying to go to, to these people. And we see lots of great stories of Jesus, who was a Jew, going to the Samaritan people and uh, all these different things. So here, though, he's going, look, we're going to Jerusalem. Most people would have just gone around it because that's kind of how they rolled. Jesus is like, no, let's go through it. And he's like, let's find somebody who will help us out and give us somewhere to stay. But what happens is the people there don't welcome him. So when the disciples, James and John, the sons of thunder, heard this, check out what they did. They asked, obviously, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? And Jesus like, oh, bro, I can feel the love from here. You know, just like, no wonder they call you the disciples, Jesus. No wonder all this love. That, you know, okay. It says, but Jesus turned and rebuked. Let me hear you say these words wherever you are. Turned and rebuked. These are beautiful words that are actually frequent in the Gospels. And we're going to get to know him today. Jesus turned and rebuked them. And then he and his disciples went to another village. I just love this story. I love the fact that all this, here they come. Jesus, the obvious thing from the way we've been treated would be to call down fire from heaven and destroy these people. We've been traveling with you, Jesus. We feel like we got the game plan down. 
And then this moment, can you just imagine when Jesus turned and rebuked them? I just like to imagine, like, what would John and James, they like, yeah, come on, come on. Lord, he's going he's gonna, to, like, what are we going to get here, Jesus? Like, this is it. We're going to call on fire. We're going to show him what's what. We're going to destroy him. And then Jesus just turns, you know, <laughs> just, can you imagine being on the other side of that turn? Like, you're all excited. And then, they, oh, but this is not one of those moments. He's turning. He's turning. I know what's going James, this is not it, not it, not it. You know, I just love this moment. You know, if you look through the Gospels, you'll see repeatedly this phrase, Jesus turned and rebuked them. And you know what? And, and in that moment, we don't actually get to see or hear what he said. Or maybe he didn't say anything. Maybe it was a look, you know. <laughs> we get the picture, though, that he did a little bit of teaching here. That probably he might have turned and said something like, guys, um, I, I, it was, I know it was like three days ago, but do you remember that whole thing about uh, blessing those who persecute you? Do you remember that whole thing about love your enemies? Like, which part of love your enemies turned into call down fire from heaven to destroy them? You know, and I, I, that would be my, that's not, Jesus wouldn't have got frustrated like I might have or anything like that. But here's what I want you to understand. Uh, that I think is, is so helpful for all of us. God's love, God's love, if we are going to be transformed by it and turn into people who are known by love, we have to experience God's transforming love. And God's transforming love comes when he turns and rebukes us. How many people went into last week going, you know what I hope happens this week? I hope I get at least one good rebuke. I just hope somewhere somebody gives me a good rebuke. Hands up, no one. <laughs> like, it's just not how we tend to operate. You know, I, I won't make us put our hands up, but I'd wager to say we get, if I said, how many people, when you hear the word rebuke, almost feel a little bit like, oh, oh I don't know, rebuke, that's a, that doesn't seem like a good thing. Probably a lot of us. But if we, uh, it, if we miss the beauty and actually the love and the kind of rebukes that Jesus gives, we will miss the transforming power of his love. You see, my, my message today is, is a pretty simple one. But as we think about what it is to be people who know God's love and who are transformed by God's love, and who can then show God's love to this world, if we're going to do that, we actually have to be people who embrace the rebuke. Let me hear you say that in just a second. I'm going to let it sit and sink in for a second. Let it sink in wherever you are right now. I'm going to ask you to embrace the rebuke. Not to run from it. Not to be afraid of it. But to embrace it. So on the count of three, wherever you are, Merrill Online right here, we're going to say embrace the rebuke. And we're going to start to just warm ourselves up to the idea. Okay? One, two, three. Embrace the rebuke. You see, if we can embrace the rebuke and actually see a rebuke not as something to be feared or avoided, but as a gift from Jesus that allows us to be transformed, then we will grow in the process of becoming more like Christ. What allowed the son of thunder, what allowed the guy who was ready to call down fire from heaven to destroy people 
to become the guy who was just known as the disciple Jesus loved. And we wrote letters. All he could kind of do is love, love, love. He just, he could have been a songwriter about love. Might have been. He just got love. But it wasn't always that way. He had to be transformed. See, Jesus' love, God's love is a transforming love. We sometimes miss that God's love is not one that will leave us where we started. Sometimes we can get our, our views of love get so tainted by or caught up in uh, kind of the cultural pictures of what love looks like or just the flow of culture around us and almost this idea that love would never say that you could do something. Love just uh, only affirms everything about us. There is an aspect of love that we have to remember. And the only way you can actually experience the joy of Jesus transforming love is if you get this. If you know that God is 100% ruggedly committed to you no matter what. If you understand that he is warm and affectionate towards you no matter what. If you understand he is with you and he is for you. And then when you understand those things, you can finally have the freedom to go. And so now I understand that when he rebukes me, it's not because he doesn't love me. It's because he does. You see, a rebuke is this. It's when Jesus stops and helps you see the error of your ways. It's when Jesus stops and brings you a corrective word. It's when Jesus stops and says, see, I, like I said, I don't know what that moment looked like, him to John and to James. We know he stopped, he turned, and he rebuked them. He, he began to teach them, guys, no. We're, in my kingdom, it doesn't work like that. Just like he said, in my kingdom, the greatest is the one who serves. And he would have said here, in my kingdom, when, when enemies come against us, we bless them. We love our enemies. When someone hits you, remember, you don't hit back. You turn the other cheek. He stops and he corrects. Let me ask you this question. If you are a follower of Jesus today, when was your last good rebuke from Jesus? And I don't say that like as it, you know, maybe it was this morning, you know. Maybe it was, maybe it was last month. Maybe it was last year. I, I don't know what the right amount of time is between rebukes. And I don't think that our walk with Jesus, please don't misunderstand me. That I think every day it's just be like, Jesus, what am I doing wrong? But rather, we must understand that an absolutely integral part of his love is learning to embrace his rebukes. You know, I had a, I ha I've had a couple lately. Only, only three this morning. But, <laughs> no, just kidding. And only two while I've been preaching. So, no, just kidding. <laughs> so I'll probably get a few via email today. Anyway, but, just, just joking. The, uh, but here's the thing, what I, what I realized is, you know, I, and, and, and what I've found is I journey with people. There are some people who they feel like they're getting rebuked all the time. Or, or they almost like they, and, and, and sometimes there's, there are some people who just need to understand. It's actually not Jesus rebuking you. You're just like pounding stuff on yourself. And so there are people who live, I find, on this one kind of understanding of Jesus. And the thing that you need to go back and do if you feel like Jesus is always rebuking you. Or if in some way that's causing you angst or you actually just need to re-understand Jesus' commitment to you, his affection towards you, his with you -ness, his for you -ness. 
so that if so you're able to discern and the other thing you may need is people with whom you can actually process you may need a mentor in your life someone that you actually talk about and say here's what i'm feeling is this accurate is it not so that you can discern what is an actual rebuke we don't even like the word rebuke it's not a word we use on a regular basis but when we understand Jesus' love, it actually becomes this thing we can take great joy in. And, and so there's other people, though, I'm going to just suggest as well, who when I said, when's the last time you had a rebuke? You're like, Jesus hasn't rebuked me in years. <laughs> like, I must be nailing it, you know. <laughs> and and to, if that's where you feel like, you know what, then here's my suggestion over here is what you want to do is you want to Make sure you're actually asking Jesus a question, that your times of prayer and connection with him, you are actually asking the question, is there anywhere where I have, I have missed the mark today? And in particular, one of the great things you can ask is, is this question, in all my dealings with other people, is there anywhere where I was not loving today? And allow him to speak into that. You know, th just th this, was, this was a few weeks back. So I won't say this is my most latest rebuke, but, there's, you know, it's been since. But I, there, I had a particular, let's just, we'll call it, you know, kind of experience or event or whatever, you know. And I was actually trying to process for myself what had happened and then what I, should, what I needed to do. And, what, you know, and so I, I called a mentor of mine and just said, look, here's what's happened. And, you know, and I, I was struggling to figure out kind of my place in it and what, you know, or, or, or what I needed to do, and, or, you know, and so I called him, and, and as a good mentor would, he asked me about it, and I could just explain it to him, and actually, and he'd probe and ask details, and I could talk to him all about it, and tell him, here's what I'm feeling, and here's how I'm feeling here and there, and what, what do you, you know, what, what do you think, and, and, and it was just a great conversation, because there are probably two sides of it, one, t one thing is this, sometimes we might wish from a friend or a mentor or something, like, we just hope he'll tell us everything we do is great, right, <laughs> we just want people to go, no, you're good, you're good, you're good, but I was so grateful because he went, you know what, here's, here is where you missed it, here's where you need to own that, and here's what you probably need to apologize for, like, yes, you're totally right, I see that, and then here's where you're probably beating yourself up a bit too much, like, that's probably, you gotta actually cut yourself a little bit of slack there, okay, good, that's kind of helpful, now I can go forward. And guess what? Through that, I learned something about myself. I learned something about how I want to operate. And I was able to do those things and go forward. And that allowed me to. So I am, I am not yet who I'm meant to be, but I'm not who I was three weeks ago. Because I embraced the rebuke. See, I'm one of the people who probably, I don't think you can like kind of love rebukes. I don't know anybody does it. And I certainly wish I didn't have to go through the things that earned me the rebuke. I wish those weren't there, but I've actually grown to that point. I do know this. I, I do love a, I love a good rebuke because it actually helps me go, ah. Now here is, and so here's the thing. If you struggle with rebuke, it is always, it's always a matter of not understanding God's love. And, and John, he's the one who through all his growth, who through all his learning, of Jesus' love, who became the love guy. He, he wrote these words in 1 John when he's talking about love, that perfect love drives, casts out all fear. And in the second part of that verse, though, is one we often forget. Many people from me, perfect love drives out all fear. But in the second bit, he wrote these words. He said, because fear has to do with punishment. And can I tell you something? If you have an aversion to rebuke or rebukes from Jesus or having him correct you, 
I will almost guarantee it's because somewhere within you, you believe that rebuke has to do with punishment. And you don't realize that that's, that's where the fear comes. You think it's about punishment. Rebukes are not about punishment. He, he does these things because he loves us. And he wants to change us and transform us into who he's called to be. Perfect love gets rid of that fear because you suddenly realize this isn't about punishment. This is about Jesus leading me towards life. And John, I'm sure, was able to eventually look back on his life and be like, you know what? When Jesus turned and rebuked me that day after that whole call of fire down, John would have gone, I realized that wasn't because I was in trouble. It's because he wanted to lead me to the life he had for me. And it's through those moments, it is only when we're willing to let him rebuke us, correct us, teach us, that we can actually be transformed from who we were into who he wants us to be. Some of us, it's so easy to get content with love. It's like, yeah, we know God loves us, and we know he's for us, and we know he's with us. And all, but then we, we stop short, and we miss the fact that, yes, he loves us exactly where we are, but as the saying goes, but he loves us too much to leave us there. His love for us is so great. You know, one of my favorite Proverbs is, I think it's 26.8, it says, an enemy multiplies kisses. But wounds from a friend can be trusted. And that proverb is there to remind us. Enemies, you know, and, and it, enemies sometimes, are, or people in our lives, they can just tell us it's good, it's good, it's good, you're good, you're good, you're good. And they multiply this kind of positive, but it, it's actually not going to serve, it does no good if it is not truth. But when you have a friend, a mentor, someone in your life who loves you and cares for you, you can trust it when they say Something that might sting a little bit. Because if you know you're loved, that love drives out the fear. You know it's not about, you know you're loved. You know God is with you. You know he's for you. You know he, and so you can actually embrace the rebuke. And that's where transformation comes from. You know, I, I think the, one of the reasons I really want us to wrap our minds around this one today is because we cannot finish looking at love and what God's love towards us is like. We will miss it if we stop short of realizing that God's love is a transforming love. And we don't need to fear that. That is something we can embrace. But if we're going to embrace it, we have to do it from a place of love and knowing we're loved, knowing this isn't about punishment, so we don't need to be afraid. We have to do it from a place of knowing this is, this is part of how he wants to shape me into who he actually created me to be. And when we do that, that's how we get transformed. That's how those moments, John's life, he spent three years with Jesus. How many moments did he have like that? We just get a couple glimpses. All the disciples, twelve, you know, three years. How did they get to be who they were? It's just a series of moments like this. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. Embrace the rebuke. And here's two ways you can do that. Even this week, you go, yeah, I, I, I want this. W one is this, is to be willing to ask the question. Jesus, is there any way, you know, a great thing at the end of the day uh, can be just say, Lord, as, you, as you're wrapping up your day, there's actually a whole prayer. This is just one part of called the exam, and it's a great one. But just at some point in your day to say, Lord, is there anywhere today that I acted in an unloving way? Just to ask him that question. 
Can I be honest? Some days I don't want to ask him that question. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, can we just call it a day? How about that? <laughs> you know, where was that? You know, but the reality is if, if we never ask the question, we never get to let him teach us. And so just start to ask the question. You know what I love, though, is sometimes if, if you're someone prone to being hard on yourself, and I can be that way sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm going to ask. I know there'll be a bunch. And some days he just says, you know what, it's been a good day. You know, it's not like every day there's this giant thing. And so you get to, but you create the moment, create the opportunity. Or maybe it's just realizing regularly once a week, I need to really ask into this area and say, Lord, is there anything that is standing between me and you? Is there any way I've just kind of missed the mark? Asking that question a bit more regularly. And then the second thing is to also, if you don't have someone in your life who is that person who you know you can actually talk to about it, if you find yourself prone to wanting to beat yourself up and you need somebody who can help you get some perspective, we don't have Jesus in the flesh with us the way John did. We're given his spirit which leads us and we're given the community of faith to support and encourage one another. So find someone in your life that you can talk to and process and say, can you just help me? Here was how it kind of went down. Can you help me just process? I'm not sure if I was off, if I missed it. I mean, I, I, I only asked one time for fire to destroy the person, but I just can't tell if that was one too many or not. So just find somebody, you know, and ask them. Process, and, you know, we can give that gift to one another. Because here's what happens. When we come to know God's love in our life, we come to be transformed by it. And that's how we are able to live from it. You know, the whole idea of branding, it originally comes from, you know, people who had livestock and being able to, it goes all the way back to ancient Egypt, and they would, and then it, it comes through the different centuries and cultures and getting the brand ultra hot and, and putting it on that thick, you know, kind of cowhide, and that was a mark that this is who it belongs to. Can I tell you something? When this whole idea of being branded, this is just what Jesus is trying to tell. Our lives should just be marked by the fact we have been with him. There should be a difference, and it should make us, we, we are to become those people who are known by love. You know, I want to invite you to stand wherever you are, right here in Malu, up in Marowa. If you're watching at home, you can stand. And this is uh, a moment where what I want to invite you to do is to actually, you know, you, you've been listening to me, but I hope you've been listening to try and hear what God would uniquely say to you today. Because what I know is uh, my God's dream for all of us is that our lives would be known. We would be known by love. God's dream, if you're part of the, the tribe here at True North, God's dream is that we would be known as people by our love. And that only happens when we have been transformed by his love. So as we bring this series to a close, what I want to just pray for you and pray that, uh, you know, I know it's not going to be just something that's helpful necessarily that I say, but rather the, the work of God's spirit within you. And so as we bring this series to a close, if you just go, yeah, I want to embrace more of this. Maybe uniquely today going, yeah, I want that transforming love in my life. Maybe today it's going, I just need to really experience that with and for, because I'm so afraid of a rebuke. I'm not, you just need to know that God is with you and he is for you. You know, whatever that piece of God's love is that you need to experience, I want to pray that you would. Because we'll never be known by love if we haven't been changed by it. So, would you bow your head wherever you are? Maybe begin in the quiet of your own heart just to speak to him and just 
welcome his love in your life. I believe God is always wanting to pour out more of his love. But just welcome it, invite it, ask him for more of his love in your life. And I'm going to pray in just a moment. You can, if you want to be part of it, just open up your hands. I'm just going to ask that God to reveal more of all the dimensions of his love in each one of our lives that we might be more and more transformed, more and more branded by his love. If you want to join me, you can just open your hands. Heavenly Father, you are the God of love. You are the source of love. And we thank you for your extraordinary love towards us that knows no bounds. God, for every person here with their hands open and their hearts reaching out to you, I just want to pray today for an increased measure of your love in their life. I pray you would pour out your love in a fresh, fresh way. I pray they would know, not just in their head, but deep in their soul, that you are committed to them, that you are affectionate towards them. You are for them. You are with them. And you, by your grace, are transforming them. And I pray that that experience of your love would just brand each one of us. It would change us. It would transform us. And though we will not be perfect this side of heaven, Lord, we pray we will be known in ever-increasing measure by your love. In Jesus' name we pray and believe. Amen. Amen. You know, we're going to continue to worship him today. We're going to sing a song that takes us into his presence. Encourage you to make it a prayer. Draw near to him today. Thank him for his love. All the many, every one of us has a unique story of God's love in our life. Some of you may be here today and you've, that story is only now just ready to begin. But you're beginning to realize that actually God is for you. I want to encourage you if you find yourself wanting to step into that love, you know, we're just a community of people on that journey. Love to welcome you. Keep gathering with us on Sundays like this and discovering more of this great God of love. Let's worship him together.